Music has always played massive roles in both of our lives, taking up large portions of our after-school time, but we're definitely not alone. In fact, more than 40% of high schoolers in the U.S. are active music learners. Derek Wu was no exception. Even after leaving home for MIT and eventually landing a job as a software engineer at Google, he remained extremely committed to music. Instead of doing a quick Google search to find 100 benefits that music has to your brain, we chose to talk to Derek, a great aficionado of classical music. Today, he's answering our soul-searching question, why we are learning music and what it takes to stick with it, and also enjoying a lifelong relationship with it. My name is Derek. Um, I'm currently 28 years old, turning 29 this year. Um, I'm a software engineer at Google. I've been working uh, at Google for the last six years or so. Um, and yeah, um, I, in my free time, I enjoy playing music, uh, working on puzzles, um, and yeah, learning new recipes to cook uh, during the quarantine lockdown period. So yeah. We know that you graduated from MIT, which is a dream school for many people, and that, like you said, you're a software engineer at Google. You're still holding on to music wholeheartedly, and you're dedicating a lot of time and energy into something you're not as a career. Can you tell us more about that? So after I graduated college, right, there's a, a remarkable difference in like lifestyle change in that you go to work, and then if you once you leave work, you don't necessarily have quote, quote, homework. Um, and so I just chose like to get more into playing piano and just music in general. Um, and this was kickstarted, actually. Um, I was working one day and oftentimes when I work, I'm playing music in the background. And this was 2015, fall 2015, um, when the Chopin 2015 competition was happening. And so I was playing this live stream in my headset, uh, listening. And these kids playing Chopin are so fantastic. Like, I'm like, I'm now at the time, what, 21, 22? And these competitors are younger than me. And they're playing Chopin, like, much better than I could ever dream to play, right? So the Chopin competition, for those who don't know, happens once every five years. And so the previous time before 2015 was 2010. I was still in high school. So at the time, you know, when I watched these, these competitors perform, you're like, ah, I'm not at that age yet. There is one dream scenario, like, you know, fantasy land where I could be at that level. But in 2015, I'm past my prime, right? And, and it was so inspiring to watch these um, competitors of all backgrounds and, you know, uh, ages and to play wonderful music. And it just really inspired me to try to be more like that, right? Like, and I understand, you know, it's not my career, but it is so fun and rewarding to try to get back into it. Um, so that's kind of my entry point into playing music more as like a working adult. Uh, versus like in college, I would say I probably have done more music things after leaving college than I was actually in college. Um, and that transition was, was, was quite interesting. I, I think this is what happened, right? Like, so in high school, um, you know, as, as you're growing as a teenager, you're trying to figure out your own identity and what your own like fingerprint and what, you know, what, what you stand for, and what you care about, right? And so in high school, I was this nerdy Asian kid, um, you know, did the math, the science and the piano. And I was relatively like uh, good at it. And then I get to MIT where all like the kids there are superstars of their local hometown, right? And I remember stepping into the first piano audition and just being like, wow, I'm outclassed here. So I, I think I got a little demoralized, to be honest. Um, I remember my first semester in college, I didn't place into a 
chamber music group. Um, it was audition based, and the you know I I just didn't place in, um, and so music kind of took this kind of backseat role where I you know worked more on like academics or social life or even just playing video games. To be frankly honest, out of the pianist at, at college, I would I would classify myself as like a bottom of the barrel pianist. Um, I was still in the music program, but I wasn't really heavily involved. Um, and I was definitely not one of the, the top like musicians in college. Um, but when, you know, when I left school and started working, there's less of this like competitive aspect or like, I mean, I'm not saying that music in college was competitive. It wasn't, but you know, there is no possibility of it ever being competitive or comparing yourself with peers or whatever. Um, and so it just became more my own thing to do for fun. I play a lot. I play almost daily, even if it's just five minutes, right? Uh, even now, right? Like, uh, well, you know, if I want to break from work, I'll, I'll go out and play. And sorry, let me clarify. I'm working from home these days due to the pandemic. So, you know, if I just finished the meeting and I have a few minutes of spare time, instead of a coffee break, it's like a piano break, right? And you go and you play, you know, a few melodies and then you get back, back into it and all that. This is Derek, smart, charismatic, and full of energy. Derek said he was a bottom-of-the-barrel pianist at MIT, but in comparison, we'd be the bacteria at the bottom of the barrel. Also, by the way, Derek played all the music for this episode. The continuous flow of conversation made it easy to jump from one topic to the other, but we made sure to ask him how he started his musical journey. So, when did you start learning music? I started piano lessons when I was four and a half. I think I only started because my mom saw some other Asian families, kids that are learning. And she's like, why isn't our son learning piano? Let's, let's put him through. Let's, let's put him through the grind, right? Kind of, kind of, kind of uh, deal here. You know, I stuck with it and I keep with it because there's so much repertoire out there. And, you know, as life changes, you'll find your musical taste change. And that's always exciting to try something something new. And I think piano is one of those things where you just have a lot of options. There's a few periods in my childhood growing up where I didn't take lessons. There was a year, I think, where I stopped taking lessons in elementary school. And then there was also a year in high school where I had a bit of a break where I finished my uh, standardized testing for piano, right? Like, and I finished it ninth grade. And then so I was like, okay, well, you're done now. Um, you don't need to do anymore and this is like essentially coming from my parents where it's like hey you can focus on your academics and college regulations and whatnot um and but then so i had a year of a break and then i came back into it when i wanted to achieve a little bit more on, on my musical journey you know i'm not i was not one of those kids that were set on like pre-conservatory track right like um those kids practice like probably like multiple hours a day i i think at most like one hour a day uh other people just practice like the day before their, their lesson right so compared to that yeah i think i I did practice daily. I spent the whole year uh, as one of the stuff I was learning to read through all of the Bach two part and three part uh, inventions and symphonias. Um, and so, yeah, there was a lot of like throughput in learning new stuff. Yeah. So you mentioned that it started off as like something your parents wanted you to do. When did that change? Yeah. So this is interesting. When I look at my musical journey, uh, you know, as, as an amateur musician, there's these few like time points where something has dramatically shifted. You know, as a kid growing up, you're told to practice, you're told to do these things and you play, you follow the instructor teacher gives you, okay, you got to keep your hands like in, in this nice position, no clasped hands, no clasped fingers. And you just kind of follow, right? And to, to play music as it's written, right? And I remember it wasn't necessarily 
the most fun. It wasn't terrible, right? It's, it's still fun playing stuff. You know, you hear some kids or students hating piano. Um, I have a funny story where, you know, my parents in an attempt to get me to practice and I wouldn't, they would just have arguments. And I remember my mom like basically took away my Lego toys and even like destroyed one of them. And I was just crying and in tears. Um, so the turning point um, was, I remember in fourth grade, I was at my piano teacher's house for a lesson and I was working through a slow movement of a Mozart sonata, right? And I was just playing it. She stops me and she's like, look, you can phrase this differently and think about shaping the phrase. Um, and she demonstrated how she phrased the right hand melodic line and, and something like changed there where I was like, oh, I get to provide some input of my own into this music, right? Where before it was, you have to do this. You have to play quiet, you have to play loud. Uh, you have to follow this technique. You practice your scales. You practice, you know, six times or seven times a day or repetition, all that stuff. But now there's this chance where I get to put my own thought into it, right? Whether that thought is okay or not, uh, I mean, at the time, you know, who knows? But I get to have some say. And so that's when it became more of a self-discovery and exploration, right? Where you kind of figure out what are the lines with, you know, playing piano? And this is under with classical music, right? Like um, what are the boundaries that the composer puts on you? And where are the moments in music where you get to decide how you want to express how you're feeling? Uh, to be honest, I'm not very good at as an amateur pianist. I play for myself. Um, I think if I were still taking lessons today, teachers would call me out and be like, look, you got to respect the composer. <laughs> but, you know, but that's when it became more rewarding and more self-sustaining to to keep playing without like external forces or pressure to like practice. Of course, you know, as a kid, you like to have fun and I did not always practice, but that moment did change how I feel a piano and how I can do more with it than just listen to what others say. So yeah. Um, so in college, did you continue to take piano lessons? Yeah, okay, so so this is, this is a good question. In terms of taking lessons, um, and then in college, I took lessons for the first two years, private lessons. Um, and then it became too much because I was not spending time practicing at all. So I realized I was going to lessons, basically sight reading music, and the teacher would be telling me stuff that I already knew that I wasn't doing because I just didn't practice it. So I, I stopped after the first two years. But what I did grow uh, into more was playing chamber music. Um, and so we had a chamber music program in college where there were weekly coaching sessions. So in that sense, I did get lessons uh, that way. It was really rewarding. And chamber music is probably one of the most exciting things about me when I'm like, you know, talking about music as a hobby. Um, the reason why I feel this way is that when you're playing piano, most of it, right, is by yourself. It is sometimes hard to tell yourself to work on this piece, right? Um, I think for me and maybe a lot of other, some other friends of mine, you only work on pieces if you're going to perform it at some point. And otherwise, if you're just working on a piece for, by yourself, it is really hard to maintain and keep working on it, uh, especially like, you know, the first like few weeks you're making progress. It's great. It feels great. And then you hit this plateau where you're kind of like, okay, I need to work a lot harder to, you know, expand my technique or, or, or whatnot to make this at the next level. And if you don't have a performance to work towards, oftentimes in my experience, you get stuck at this plateau and it doesn't get any better. And pieces kind of stay in this half-baked state. But with chamber music, you get to work with other people um, to create music together you're kind of more incentivized to keep at it. And especially if, if you and your friends say, hey, we want to have a housewarming party or a get together where we play for our friends. Now there's a performance date set, right? And so you can actually work together and, 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 and play for an occasion. Uh, and I, I'm a big believer of like the whole of the group is more than the sum of its parts, right? So when you work with other musicians and you play stuff together, 
you can make something truly magical. And I, and I think I really like that uh, bonding and uh, musical playing experience. I think as you leave school and you go out to quote, quote, the real world, um, a big challenge is how do you find new friends, right? Like in school, friends are kind of, I want to say given to you, but you show up to class, you see the same group of people over and over and over again, and it's easier to make friendships that way, right? As a young professional working, that dynamic kind of changes. There's no longer classes or clubs uh, that the schools can provide where you can meet new people. And so for me, because my hobby and interests lie more on the musical side, I sought out those groups and folks um, and, you know, bonded with them and became friends with them. Uh, on my free time, I was really hungry looking for other, like, ambitious to play with. Like, I would, I would join groups whenever possible. And that continued into adulthood, uh, so to speak. Finding a chain group for piano can be tough. And, you know, sometimes it works out great. Sometimes it's not the best, but that's okay. You just try, sorry, you try different, uh, different combinations until you find a situation where you're happy with, right? And so, so the, the, the variables you, you want to think about is A, playing ability of the group, uh, the members of the group. Uh, B, time commitment of the group, right? Because now people have other commitments in their life, right? Um, um, and then scheduling, you know, the larger the group, the harder it is to schedule, figuring out like why you're getting to this group. Is it to just read music for fun? Or are you setting, you're setting up a plan to perform for some, some event or whatnot? I got started finding my own group uh, when I went out to, um, to Google. It took like a few years to actually find a group I felt like I meshed well with. There was a period of my life where I was just joining every group I can join to try to find the right mix. And it was emotionally challenging. I remember there was one rehearsal that was scheduled on my birthday and I was really looking forward to it. I was like, oh man, it's like the perfect birthday present for myself uh, to, to play music with, with, with friends. And then people were like, oh, sorry, I'm busy. I have after, after work classes to take. Uh, and I remember just being like really sad about it. You just have to uh, have some empathy that you know, people's lives are busy and it's not personal. Now I'm a lot more relaxed about it. I'm happy with the groups I'm in because I'm uncomfortable with like, okay, I'm able to find groups that I'm, I'm happy with. And there's no more of like insecurity of myself of like, am I good enough to find a group? So the most recent uh, time this happened was actually last year in SF, San Francisco. Um, there's the Botanical Gardens in the uh, SF Golden Gate Park. Um, and every year there's what's called Flower Piano. So it's an event where um, they put 12 pianos out in the public, outside in the gardens, where people can come up and play, right? Kind of a public play, play piano. And this past year, uh, we got invited to have a dedicated performance slot for one of the pianos in the garden. And so that was one of the times where we got together. It was so crowded. Everyone was out in the parks because I think people were just so starved of music from all the COVID shutdowns and whatnot. So it was a really nice experience just to play for, for the public. While amazed by his true passion and extensive engagement to music, we were wondering why he didn't become a professional musician. And Derek's answer could not have been more genuine. You know, I never saw myself going towards a professional music track because one, I didn't think I had the chops to do so. I felt comparatively stronger in the math and sciences than I did with the music side of things. Um, if I wanted to pursue music more seriously, 
I would have needed to been practicing a lot more,、um, especially in high school. The year break I took in high school was probably quite detrimental in gaining skills to get towards that professional level. And two, it is much easier being a mediocre engineer or whatnot versus being a mediocre pianist, right?、Um, and the last bit is, I'm a little afraid that if music became a career and it feels like a job. It would be less fun. In the end, it's for yourself, right? Like maybe this is a little selfish. And if you're okay with putting in the time and hours to as a hobby for fun, then it's it's no different than playing sports for fun or like playing video games for fun, right? And for now, it is my time to decompress after work, right?、Um, and so my my peers and whatnot. I don't know too many peers that are professional musicians, so I actually don't know how how they manage the work life balance. But a lot of my current peers are musically inclined and kind of do the similar thing where you know music is their hobby outside of work and they can be fantastic at their respective instruments and but you know they keep it as the passion to help them relax and decompress and enjoy other parts of their life. So we've been talking about like you playing piano throughout high school and as a kid and like what role has music played through like every stage of your life? That's a good question. As a kid, music is something you do. You call it an extracurricular. In college, music is also an extracurricular,、um, and maybe it's a way to make friends in college or whatnot. In adulthood, I think the primary motivation or the primary purpose is it's reassurance. It's always there.、It、helps me feel peaceful on days where things might not be going so well at work, or something else is bothering me. It, it never lets me down. There is joy and peace in either playing something you're familiar with, the passes that you've, you've always loved to play, or working on something new and exploring new challenges. But yeah, I think I think the big thing is that it's it's very self rewarding.、Um, you know, when you're in school, there's kind of a set track of like what you should do and whatnot. But once you leave school, it's kind of up to you to decide what what you、uh, think is rewarding to yourself, right? And so, finding whatever it is that's rewarding to the individual,、um, for me, it happens. One of the things that I find rewarding—not not all, right? Like, there's a lot of things. You know, there's like it's like, it's like a puzzle. Yep.、Um, but a big part of that puzzle is music, and I do find it very rewarding. And so that's why I keep up with it. At, at its core, music is comforting. There's a bit of familiarity and comfort when you sit at the piano bench and you open the lid and you play something. And so it kind of provides this reassurance. Um, have you found that your mindset and level of understanding has developed since high school? Absolutely. Over time, my technique might not have gotten better. Certain aspects of my technique have gotten better, but listening and understanding has definitely increased. I remember、um, one of the things one of my piano teachers taught me: it takes about ten years to listen to one voice, and another ten years to the two voices, and another ten years to hear three voices at once. And at the time I heard this, like. What do you mean? I hear my left hand and my right hand. <laughs> now I'm like, oh, I'm starting to see what she meant because now I'm starting to encroach on a land of where I can independently hear and control two voices in left and right hand. Right. So if I'm playing through some stuff, I can hear the melodic line and try to phrase it, and then hear the moving bass line and the harmony changes and try to do some phrasing with that too. Right. And so what I'm approaching thirty, maybe in the next five years I can get the third voice down.、Um, but yeah, that aspect of understanding has definitely increased, and with it. The joy and reward of playing and working through these pieces.
Yeah, and so you mentioned that it's super self-rewarding. So have there been any like specific moments where you've truly felt like a connection with the music? When I first got the spark back and I was listening to a Chopin competition and I was like, wow, this Chopin E minor concerto. Um, and I sat down at the piano and the first time I read through the second theme of, of the first movement, I couldn't help but feel this warm glow kind of like rise inside my body and I'm just like smiling like oh it feels so wonderful and feels so good. And it's it's uh it's funny I bring up this 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 passage in the Chopin E minor um concerto because that's the go-to tune I play when I'm on my breaks, or if I, if I just want to play something on the piano to relax, I always go back to that theme. You know, yeah, in terms of reward, I, I, that, that one is a little close to me for whatever reasons it may be. But yeah, that, that melody is, is always uh, touching for myself. What it made me realize is that I'm looking to chase that high. Oh, finding this new music, this melody or this, this tune or, or this harmony that makes it go wow. Like I just, I think the technical term is frisson, F-R-I-S-S-O-N, where you feel like the chills in your body, right? That's what keeps you going, right? You're, you're always looking for chills, both old and new. Okay, um, so a random question, but um, if you were stranded on an island, what is one piece that you would bring with you to listen to? Oh, that's a good one. Okay, I think my answer would have to be Chopin's Piano Sonata Number no. Three. For that piece, I feel like it goes through so many different ideas. And I think the reason why I like that piece so much is that it's hard to describe, but I really like the aestheticness of that piece. Like the melodies are not always the most gorgeous melodies you hear. At least the way it speaks to me in the construction of, of, of the sonata, I really, really enjoy. And I don't think I would get tired of it easily. Um, it's one of those pieces that if I see it being programmed on a recital, I am more likely to want to buy tickets to go and see. Who or what is like your biggest inspiration in music and like what motivates you to keep going? I can say Martha Argerich is a big inspiration. I uh, skipped out on a family wedding once to fly to France to watch Martha Argerich play. <laughs> it was fantastic because just seeing this woman of her age play brilliantly is, is phenomenal. I also would say I'm a big fan of Jacob Collier. Um, he is not necessarily a classical musician. I mean, he, he can play whatever, but he closer to my age. Jacob Collier is a huge inspiration because he can play anything. He plays piano, he plays drums, he plays bass, he sings, his voice is, 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 is incredible. He's so flexible with how he thinks about music. I uh, definitely look up to him as well. I think mean, a good musician is one that is able to control sound the way they want to control it, right? And so when you hear them perform, you hear out the voices they want to bring out. You hear out the harmony changes that they either compose or that they bring out. But I think at this stage of my life, 
good and bad is less important because do you enjoy playing music? Then great, that's good. But like at whatever level, whatever level you're at, right? Um, and you know, and whatever level you're at, there's always something to work on. And so, good and bad is less important from a more perhaps philosophical aspect. And kind of like circling back to everything and wrapping it all up. What's your message to parents who are trying to provide musical opportunities or people or like, yeah, just like young children who want to pursue music, but like not even as a career? It's tough, right? Because I think as a kid, it's hard to keep discipline to practice. So as a parent, you sometimes have to play the role of disciplining and making sure the kid spends hours practicing. But what I would try to encourage is to find avenues where the kid can find ways to express themselves. My path is a little boring in that I stuck with piano and then classical music, whatever. But that's not the only path out there, right? Um, you can take an example for my brother, who is eight years younger, who also did the classical piano training and whatnot growing up. But now is a lot more self-motivated to work on music production. Um, and so there's all these other avenues. Let the kid kind of explore um, find repertoire they enjoy, even if it's just pop music. Back in middle school, someone had sheet music to like Super Mario Brothers, right? And I was like, wow, I want to learn this. And when I looked at the music, it was so different from like the stuff from classical music. And I actually struggled just playing through the first opening bars, getting the the three three two rhythm and all all that stuff. But when when you go out and you find these things that you enjoy, there you, you can learn something, and it helps with your overall like musical education and enjoyment. And so I would say maybe the key thing to remember is what makes a student want to express themselves and how they can, how can they best do that with their current set of abilities, right? Because like, you know, when you're learning, of course you have technical challenges, but there's always some room to give your own input on what you want to make or play. What do you think the future will be like for your piano playing or music in general? When I think about what I want my life to to look like, right, um, and the things I cherish and enjoy in life, I you know want to have a house with two pianos, <laughs> um, where you know you can play by yourself, or if you can have a friend come and play two piano works. Um, I want to collect um, some more instruments. I have a violin and a viola now. I'm planning on getting a cello sometime. So, and when I have friends over we can jam together play camera music read through stuff kind of let it be like a, a reason to gather and, and play music and share music with myself my friends and whoever else that might want to listen yeah so thank you so much for doing this interview really yeah cool. yeah sorry i rambled on a lot but hopefully no, there's so enough material to Ha <laughs> ha